Welcome to Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. Thank you for joining me. When you think of Christians being persecuted, you may be surprised to hear the nation of Sri Lanka being mentioned. But many followers of Jesus are suffering at the hands of Buddhists who are the primary persecutors and sometimes led by Buddhist monks who openly stir up communities against the followers of Jesus living among them. Hindus also oppose evangelism and conversion to Christianity. Now, before we go to a documentary I did on the island nation a few years ago, I just want to share a couple of stories to give you an idea of some of the challenges facing our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this comes from our persecution and prayer alert from earlier this year. The pastor of an Assemblies of God church in Paducah was on his way to a place of worship when he was stopped by a group of villagers. Now, the villagers demanded that the pastor leave town, which they deemed a Buddhist village, and declared that the Christians were no longer allowed to worship in the area. This story is quite common in Sri Lanka. Heard many reports similar to this one. Now, the pastor reported the incident to the local police. They called both parties to the station to give their statements. The Buddhist villagers made several false allegations, but the officer stated that he had no authority to shut down the church. Now, After learning that the church was registered with the government, he warned the villagers against harassing the pastor. However, the police did request that the church temporarily pause their activities to prevent any potential escalation of conflict. And here's another story. 15 kilometers away from Paducah in the city of Ranella, the pastor of Calvary Church received a phone call from the local police station. The officer in charge demanded that the pastor stop all religious activities, claiming he had received multiple complaints. He demanded that she either conduct worship activities elsewhere or obtain a court order allowing worship services to continue in the village. Now again, these are just a couple of the reports Often things get far more violent and Christians are attacked. During my visit to Sri Lanka, I traveled all over the nation and met Christians who were suffering persecution. We called the name of this documentary Persecution in Paradise. By the way, you can watch this video and I will include the link in the podcast notes. Here now is Persecution in Paradise. Sri Lanka is a beautiful island in the Indian Ocean off the southern tip of India and is a captivating destination for tourists from all over the world and Buddhist pilgrims. Having emerged more than 25 years of civil war in 2009, Sri Lanka has the feel of a modern nation trying to make up for lost time. However, the rise of Buddhist nationalism is making life extremely difficult for evangelical Christians living in rural areas. About 70% of Sri Lankans are Buddhist, compared to approximately 8% who are Christians of all denominations. In 1987, the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka began documenting the cases of violent persecution against evangelicals. Now, those numbers really spiked in 2003 and 2004. But in the aftermath of the 2004 tsunami that ravaged this nation, those numbers dropped dramatically. But it's not the only reason why. There was a lot of uh, bad reactions from people because people were shocked to find that uh, in a Buddhist country that Christians were being persecuted by Buddhists because uh, and, and I mean of course not all Buddhists but uh, it was unheard of or it was something that people could not comprehend that uh, Buddhism could be violent. 
and uh, in that sense the violence kind of subsided for a while. Rashidi Wickram Singha, who is a lawyer, says that even though the anti-conversion bill that was proposed in 2003 was never voted on in Parliament, the proposal of the bill was just another method of attack used against the country's evangelicals. And that was using administrative uh, regulations and existing laws, uh, false allegations um, of criminal nature. Uh, which were being used to kind of uh, control or restrict Christian worship. The year 2013 saw the highest number of cases of persecution against Christians in Sri Lanka in nearly 30 years. Church leaders reported 105 attacks. And unfortunately, there is no sign of things changing anytime soon. In fact, it appears to be getting worse. In June of 2013, Pastor Anton Watanagi of the New Life Church in the Colombo District was preparing to join the rest of his congregation for the Sunday morning service when he was suddenly confronted outside the church by a Buddhist monk who he had known for more than 10 years. The monk had falsely accused Anton of assaulting him. Joining the angry monk in the beating of the pastor was a mob of almost two dozen young men. When I saw the Buddhist monk, he started saying bad language to me. I told him, if you have a problem or issues, why don't we talk about it? Then he slapped me. Then the mob started to assault me. They grabbed a coconut branch that had fallen from a tree and hit me with it. Anton was able to get away from the mob and ran quickly into the church. By then, members of the mob had grabbed some wood that was being used in the construction of the church, wielding the sticks as weapons to attack the Christians. The mob started to attack the believers. All the mob that came were 18 or 19 years old and were friends of my son. I told them to move out of the church, but they refused. My daughter had her cell phone and tried to call the police, but one of the boys in the mob got the phone and smashed it. Two more cell phones were also smashed. We were scared for our lives. I started screaming, but no one heard me because the noise going on was so loud. Eventually, the police were called from a landline and they arrived 10 minutes later and prevented what could have been a deadly attack. The mob was forcibly removed from the church property, but were still yelling obscenities at the pastor and his congregation. My back was badly injured. The son of our Sunday school superintendent got hit on his legs. And several other young boys got hit on the arms and legs. Pastor Anton says the attack on him and his church is a problem facing the followers of Christ all over the country. Especially evangelicals. Because of that, we need to do things wisely. When we are worshipping, we close the doors so that the sound won't carry outside. We also get the believers together in a vehicle, and we bring them to church. We're trying to minimize future problems. So who is behind this persecution? The CEO and General Secretary of the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka and a partner with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada is Godfrey Yogaraja. I think we have seen the rise of many extremist Buddhist groups and uh, one particular group called the Bodhubala Sena uh, with a lot of other groups as well have been uh, really on the rampage. 
and uh, it's not only been um, attacks against Christian churches but against several religious minorities in Sri Lanka. We've had attacks on mosques, Hindu temples and uh, also a lot of intimidation, threats. While churches located in the cities run into some obstacles when it comes to getting permits to construct new buildings, even though the Sri Lankan constitution guarantees freedom of religion, it's in the rural areas where believers are facing intimidation and property damage. It's not uncommon for a pastor to be beaten by a mob and church buildings destroyed, often led by Buddhist monks who worry that evangelicals are going to take over the country. See, the persecution has been mainly uh, for churches which are involved in evangelism and for churches which are growing. Uh, if you are a very institutionalized church, then you are left alone because you are not a threat uh, in any way to some of the status quo, which is, uh, uh, you know, with especially the Buddhist extremist groups. Pastor A.K. Priyantha leads an evangelical church in a mostly Buddhist village in the Colombo district where he arrived with his wife Mitra and young family in August of 2010. For over three years they had no problems. In fact, they were well accepted into the community. But that would change on September 8, 2013. Pastor A.K., along with over 30 believers, were praying during a Sunday morning service when a mob of about 25 people from the village, led by three Buddhist monks, barged into the church service. Mitra was leading worship at the time in the church, which happens to be attached to the family home. When the Buddhist monks and the mob came inside the church, they started using bad language and said, this is a Buddhist country and we can't let you have a church inside a Buddhist village, and you have to leave. They also were scolding my wife. I couldn't help my husband because I went out to get my second son, and he cried out and said, Mother, please don't let them hurt my father. I took him out. The oldest son was with one of the believers, and the youngest one was sleeping, and the mob was breaking all the windows, so I went and got him out of the house. After the mob chased the Christians out of the church building, Pastor A.K. tried to reason with the Buddhist monks. Realizing he wasn't getting anywhere, he knelt down by the pulpit. I started to pray and said, God, please take this situation into your hands, because only you can do something. While I was praying, I felt something big hit me in the head. I didn't know what it was, and I fell down and went unconscious for a few seconds. A.K. learned that he'd been hit over the head with a guitar. When he opened his eyes, he saw the mob destroying the sound equipment and assaulting the person playing the organ. Four people in the mob began to beat the pastor. They assaulted me on my stomach and my back and to my head. I kept my hands over my head trying to protect my head. My whole body was shaking. I was feeling weak. But then strength returned to me. It was the power of God that got me through that. A.K.'s mother begged the mob to stop beating her son. She was also assaulted on her leg and arm and left badly injured. The attack on the church lasted only a few minutes, but in that time the sound equipment, instruments and furniture were all destroyed. Before they left, they told me, if you continue to do this ministry, we will definitely burn down your church. Police arrived about 20 minutes after the mob attack and took down statements. 
The first question the police asked was, do we convert Buddhists into Christians forcefully? They asked the believers who had been Buddhists to put up their hands. Some of the believers said they had been Buddhists and came to know their Lord with their own conscience. Some, because of fear, said they were born Christians. After the police left and five hours had passed since the attack, AK was finally taken to the hospital. But even there, he didn't receive proper treatment. He had to stay in the admitting area, because if he had been admitted, the Buddhist monk behind the attack would have to be arrested. During that time, my head was swollen, and I had wounds in my hands and legs. After the police left, the believers took me to the hospital. I have very severe back pain, and I get headaches on and off. The only thing I can do is to pray about it. My mother has a very bad knee because of the assault. Even though AK and the others at the church could identify those who attacked them, there were no arrests. For the next three months, threats and protests were made against the church. AK, who found himself slipping into depression, was also accused of operating the church illegally. The Buddhist monks were determined to carry out their threat to set the church on fire. For three months, we couldn't sleep because we were afraid something was going to happen to us. We were scared for our lives. In December of 2013, at 1.30 in the morning, we were sleeping. My wife got up to feed the baby, and she saw smoke coming through the window. It was raining in the night, and I had to feed the baby. It was a noisy night. I got up and looked into the church, and all I saw was an orange fireball. I woke up my husband, and I couldn't say anything. I was in shock. My husband got up. The only thing we thought was that our lives were going to end. For a moment, I thought I was dreaming. It took about five minutes to get the children out of the house because they were sleeping. We put them in another room. The church had been burned. The sound system, the organ, the entrance door, and the church sign were all burned. Again, another police investigation produced no arrests. But it could have been a lot worse in terms of loss of life and damage. But thankfully, the building was wet because it had been raining. Well, Pastor A.K. plans on staying. He and his family have been traumatized by these attacks. I will not leave because I have committed myself, my wife, and children to the Lord. I pray for protection, but we're scared for our lives, not knowing what will happen next. The believers in my family have suffered trauma, but I will not give up, even though they assaulted me and burned the church. If I do that, they will get good morale and attack other pastors. They will say, we burned their church and they left. I don't want that to happen. I have committed myself to God, and I will continue in the ministry. Even when those committing these acts of violence are identified, they often don't face the consequences for their actions. Sometimes when there have been attacks on churches uh, and the perpetrators are identified but arrests are not made, or sometimes when arrests are made, uh, the police comes under pressure uh, to, to release the, the suspects. So in that sense there is a lack of uh, justice being meted out to those who have been affected by such, such uh, actions of violence. The Voice of the Martyrs Canada partner, the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka, is providing Pastor A.K. and his family assistance after the burning of his home in the attached church building.
John Gay Runjan leads a church in central Sri Lanka. The Assemblies of God pastor came here in 2008 to start a church and has faced constant opposition, mob attacks, protests from Buddhist monks and villagers, and harassment from government officials. Yet John Gay and his wife Pathma are determined to continue the ministry that God has called them to, no matter what. When I was ministering in northern Sri Lanka, in 2000 I was brutally attacked and assaulted. I was so injured I couldn't sit, stand or lie down. I've gone through so much but I know this wasn't in vain. My service here will not stop. I will continue to do it for the glory of God. John Gay and Pathma have had to endure much since moving their family to this Buddhist village. Trouble would soon come as a result of their ministry. When I came to this village, I rented a house and started doing my ministry. In 2009, government officials came to my house and told me I was doing an illegal thing and couldn't do my ministry in this area. You have to leave this village or stop what you are doing. I told them I'm giving advice and looking after the Christians in the area, and I wasn't doing anything wrong. A short time later, government officials, with the support of the village monk and the local community, forced the family to move from their rented house. So we went to another place. During that time, a lot of sick people got healed, and there were a lot of miracles that took place in this area. A man who was in prison 105 times came to know the Lord, and a big change happened in the village, but it also caused a lot of tension. The family would be forced to move a total of three times. But the ministry has continued, and as a result of Buddhists coming to Christ, the false allegations and persecution intensified. This village was 100% Buddhist, and many Buddhists were coming to know the Lord. I was accused of giving people 5,000 rupees to come to church, and if they came to the Lord, they were getting 75,000 rupees each. These allegations made their way throughout the village. This is the reason these problems came. Buddhists were coming to know the Lord. In October of 2012, four Buddhist monks and a mob showed up during the Sunday morning service and threatened John Gay and Pathma. They told me to stop having the services and said we were healing people and that is a false thing. They used bad language to my wife and children and took photographs of the children. Not long after that, John Gay and his family that now included six children, including one that was adopted and a niece and nephew who have special needs, were evicted yet again from their rented home. They finally found another place to live, but again trouble came on the evening of April 2, 2013. The rocks were thrown at the house from 10.30 to 11.30 non-stop. The roof started to come down. Along with the six children, we were under a table and very afraid for our lives, and afraid we would get hit with the stones. One of the believers saw the Buddhist monk at 7.30 that evening going to the houses of the villagers. The Buddhist monk formed this attack at our house. The police took a report of the incident, but no action was taken against those responsible for the attack. With no one willing to rent them a place to live, the Assemblies of God purchased some land for them to build a house. But there was a problem. They had no money. This land was purchased in 2011, but we didn't have the means to build. During this time, the children were in examinations at school, and we were going through a traumatic time. We had to leave the house where we were at. So we traveled long distances to get bricks to build the house and foundation. Also, the believers came together and made bricks to build the house. But when we started to build, a government official came and said I was building a church and I had to stop building. 
The family also got some financial help from the Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka to build a house. Now, prior to moving into the new home, John Gay was conducting services at the house of one of the people from his congregation when they were attacked. Four Buddhist monks and a mob of about 20 people came and started using bad language and scolding me and said I had more than one woman in my life and I'm doing bad things for my children and not leading a good life. Two believers were assaulted by this mob, a boy and a lady. During that time the police had also come and took me away. I was thinking I was going to be assaulted as well. In February of 2014, John Gay was informed that a protest was being organized against his church. So he called his fellow believers to a week of prayer and fasting. The police said the protest would be happening and sent two officers to us. The protesters handed out flyers against the church and against me. They were shouting all kinds of phrases from the road. That road goes to our church. Then they went back to town. There was no violence. This happened during the day when a fair was going on, where people come and buy goods. They did it then so many people would work against me and the church. We heard that 15 Buddhist monks had planned to pelt our house with stones, but they didn't. We felt that was God's hand of protection. The persecution and opposition has actually led to greater unity in the church. There is a determination and a togetherness in the congregation and with other believers and pastors in the area. We pray with them and talk to them and encourage them. John Gay and Pathma constantly pray for God's protection for their children, knowing very well the potential danger they're in because of their ministry. Many times, when the children go to school, we always think about them and what problems they might go through at school and on their way to school. But my husband and I have put these things in God's hands. We pray every day that they won't face problems at school with teachers. We have completely given our lives to Jesus and God will look after them. When our team visited this family, the house had no electricity and no water. So VOM Canada helped to get electricity to the home. Not only has Pastor Runjan and his family faced threats, but so have members of his church. In fact, two of them were violently assaulted by Buddhist monks. In spite of the opposition, Runjan says he's not going anywhere. In fact, he's in the midst of planting dozens of churches in the region and raising up young church leaders. Of the six students I have chosen, all six have a big heart for the ministry. Two are in Bible school. Two I have sent to the east part of the country to be trained under another pastor to take on the ministry. One, who is a lady who wants to start a shop. There are no shops there, and she will sell goods and give out the gospel. VOM Canada partner, the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka, has for many years and in various ways helped persecuted Christians on the island nation. Helping to reconstruct churches which are destroyed by violence, uh, with emergency assistance for pastors or Christians who are injured in attacks or who, have, who lose their homes, uh, their clothes, you know, providing them with food, with clothing, with medical aid, also providing legal aid when churches don't have any way of seeking justice and going before the courts because they cannot afford it. Another project that VOM Canada is involved with is the annual Kids Camp. And this is bringing together children of uh, persecuted pastors and Christians and those serving in difficult circumstances uh, for a time of encouragement. Uh, this is an annual thing that we do 
and we have anything from 80 to 100 to 120 kids coming for each camp and uh, I can tell you that most of them have faced some sort of discrimination or persecution. Some have actually witnessed their churches or their homes being attacked or their parents being beaten up. But I think uh, the call for the church in this country is to be faithful and steadfast even the, in the midst of persecution. And I think that call uh, the church in this country has been obedient to. And uh, so what I foresee in the future is that the church would continue uh, amidst all the suffering and persecution and that they would be faithful to the call of God in their life and they would continue to minister and be faithful to the mandate uh, which the gospel demands from them. And that last voice that you just heard is Godfrey Yogaraja. He is the CEO and the General Secretary of the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka. He's a good friend and a partner ministry with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. Godfrey and his team are doing amazing kingdom work in Sri Lanka and also standing with our brothers and sisters in Christ that are enduring much to see the gospel of Jesus Christ move forward. Will you be praying for our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka? By the way, if you'd like to watch the documentary, Persecution in Paradise, you can do so by clicking on the link on the show notes. And if you'd like to receive the weekly Persecution in Prayer Alert, there's three or four stories that come out each week. You can have it automatically sent to your email so you can be praying. You can do that or to receive a free monthly newsletter where you'll be hearing stories, yes, about persecution, but the amazing victory. And we heard that in the documentary. Those that will inspire us to be strong in our faith so you can get the Persecution and Prayer Alert, the free newsletter that comes out monthly by going to vomcanada.com. It's so important that we hear the stories and pray for our persecuted family in Sri Lanka and all over the world. Well, thank you for listening. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.